The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Fold is brought to you by O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. No mai, hoki mai, kia the Fold, i mihi nei, ko Duncan Gree tōku ingoa. Today, I'm doing something a bit different. I have two guests consecutively, my colleagues uh, Shanti Mathias and Anna Rafati Connell, talking about a new, it's not even legislation, it's just a discussion document. So it really should not be, uh, I shouldn't be so excited about it, but but I am. It's called the Safer Online Services and Media Platforms Discussion Document. Uh, It's part of a Department of Internal Affairs uh, content review. And uh, it it came out last week. You'll probably have have some familiarity with it, potentially, you know, if you work in this business uh, quite a lot. But um, I think it's a a pretty fascinating uh, starting point for discussion. And and what they have staked out is quite quite an interesting uh, position. So, so that's what, what I'm going to do today is, is get uh, brought Shanti on, who wrote a terrific explainer um, about it for the spin-off, and then Anna, who uh, has worked in social media for much of the last 10 years and has a very sort of sophisticated and, and interesting perspective on it as a result. Um, but before then, I just want to sort of lay out why I think it's such an interesting document and why I think respectfully some of my colleagues in the media are, are, are sort of potentially missing the point or, or uh, you know, you know, maybe I disagree with them a little bit on this. So fundamentally we've seen uh, some other media CEOs, the likes of Paul Thompson and Sinead Boucher, who actually is no longer CEO of stuff, uh, now, now publisher, but still um, obviously a, a very – uh, important voice and all this stuff, they have focused on the fact that there will be a new super regulator. That is the heart of this, a new super regulator that all content online will ultimately um, be regulated by and uh, that will naturally kind of swallow whole the likes of the BSA, the ASA, the Media Council, all of these kind of smaller fiefdom regulators that we currently have. But the big thing for me is that it will also um, it, it regulates all content online, all, all public facing content. So the, the the people who are currently outside of that tent are the social media giants, you know, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and so on. And that you know, and it sort of brings them in and and essentially asks that we we all on some level adhere to a particular set of standards. Now, the point that has been raised. Uh, by uh, some of my colleagues in the media is that this, you know, this can be read as a restriction on the freedom of the press and as a, you know, has the potential for there to be sort of draconian restrictions on what we publish. 
that's that is a reading of it. It's not the way I read it. I mean, and also just like like the practicality is the most likely thing is that all the existing regulators do get swallowed by this thing. So the the news media is overseen by the media council still. Maybe there's an appeals process that goes up a level to to this beyond that, but you know, you've got to assume that the existing highly functional regulatory processes uh, won't be abandoned because they are working very well within the context of the news media itself. Uh, so to me, to me, we should focus on what's new, what's brave about this, and that is that it basically asks that a code of conduct is established for the social media companies and that that is then sort of deployed across them in in a way that, you know, basically asks that they adhere to terms of service that we know are routinely uh, broken. Um, it's, it's a really knotty subject. This thing will no doubt take a long time, but it's, a, it's been a long time. I can't even honestly think of the last time I saw a, a discussion document, uh, you know, something come out of government on such an important issue which displayed such rigorous thinking and, uh, you know, kind of command and sophisticated, nuanced command of an area. I'm not saying it's uncomplicated. Anna really gets into some of the bits where, where it'll be difficult. We, you know, there's a high chance that, as we have with the sort of hate speech legislation lately, that uh, that it just sort of falls on the rocks uh, of that complexity. But as, a, as an opening bid, as something which does impact all of us who publish content online, but it particularly impacts those who hitherto have had no restrictions on on uh, what they do or no meaningful restrictions. I think it's pretty impressive. So I'm really excited about this. I think Shanti does a fantastic job really explaining the, the detail of, how, of what we currently have and how it would change, how it would work. And then Anna really just gives a superb kind of overview of the complexity puts it in an international context and ultimately provides a view of it as pertains to a kind of a notion of national sovereignty in a digital context that we have largely abandoned and I think is a really really powerful and almost poignant um, place to end so this is Shanti Matthias and Anna Rafiti Connell on The Fold Kia ora Shanti, welcome to The Fold Thanks Duncan uh, so we're here to talk about something tremendously exciting. That is the Safer Online Services and Media Platforms Discussion Document, which does, as you note in your excellent explainer that we published a few days ago, it does sound incredibly boring, but I, I think we're, we're both of the opinion that this is actually a pretty big deal. Um, but before we get into it, I wonder if you could start by sort of setting the stage in terms of what regulations exist around content online at the moment before we sort of figure out uh, where it could be going? Yeah, there's a lot there. Um, there's a lot of different legislation which and a lot of different bodies which are in charge. So um, if you have a problem with an advertisement that you see, you need to contact the Advertising Standards Authority. Um, if you have a problem with something that the media has published online, you contact the Media Council. There's um, there's quite a lot of different bodies that deal with different aspects of content online and um, it can sometimes be difficult to figure out who you should go to first. So if you're upset about something that you've seen, um, it can be quite a challenge to, even in the first instance to figure out who I should contact, who's in charge um, and what kind of rules might govern what should or shouldn't be there. Um, so that can be, that's something which is quite confusing for people. 
that, that's that's part of what they're seeking to address here is making it so, making it easier for someone to know how to respond to uh, to, to material that they find harmful in in some broad sense of the word, right? Uh, the so, but but before we get into that, what you've described as advertising is you know news media. You know, we know that the BSA exists for um, you know for for broadcast media and and has some jurisdiction online. And then there's the film and classifications body. So there's a there's a bunch of stuff out there. But probably the the biggest media form, or certainly the biggest new media form, probably in terms of attention minutes. Uh, of all over the last 20 years has been um, so the rise of social media. How does that fit into the current regulatory regime? So social media has its own rules, um, like each platform has its own terms of service, which they're supposed to abide by. Um, however, there's, they just kind of almost slightly fall through the cracks. There's different rules can be co- cover different parts of it. So for example, when um, the March 15th, 2019 terror attacks were being broadcast on um, Facebook, the chief census office was able to block that to some extent um but yeah there's no no any particular law which targets social media so as an effect it's almost entirely unregulated in a lot of ways um which can be a really big challenge for people who are spending a lot of time on social media and kind of wonder like what's okay to what to see and what's not okay um and yeah can be in, end up with quite a lot of quite a lot of questions for people who are wondering about how to take action on something that they're concerned about it's quite quite an interesting you know point you make because I think as, as I gather this this review didn't initially kind of set out to uh, to focus on social media but it has ended up where that is effectively the the core of this or the most impacted by it because it goes from being as you say completely unregulated uh, or largely unregulated to to being you know subject to a a fairly similar array of you know constraints as as other aspects of, of the media. So, do you want to maybe just uh, to explain what the, what this new uh, you know the Safer Online Services discussion doc- document, uh, even that's an abbreviation if you can believe it. I- explain what it is proposing. So it's it's going from having if you if you. The way, the way that we initially described it, you know, going to the Advertising Standards Authority for an advertisement, going to the Broadcasting Standards Authority for sort of more like a TV or radio question, um, to having just one regulator for all content online, and that would include social media, um, which would be governed by, so there'd be just one person to contact. You don't have anyone thinking, okay, is this something to talk to the police about? Is this something to talk to NetSafe about? You just have one body, which if it's online content, you go to them. Um, that's pretty different from what we have right now. Um, and what's also different is that these overseas companies like Meta, like Google, like TikTok would have to abide by those rules. Um, it would be set by a code of practice. So that one regulator would um, kind of help the industries like the social media would probably do one together with rules that all the social media whichever but slightly broad like vague term would refer to um would would all decide this is this is a code of practice this is what we all agree to which means that there'd be a lot of negotiation between what would be in that and what would not be in that um so the industry would get to determine a bit of the terms and then it would be kind of administered administered by that one regulator who would also be in charge of Public awareness, because you know the public isn't aware enough of the internet at the moment, apparently. 
Well, you can see like, like that there is a sort of, you know, if you watch television, there's sort of semi-regularly there'll be a, a, basically an ad saying the BSA exists and, you know, and likewise with uh, the ASA, uh, et cetera. So you can kind of see the the logic behind that and, and people, it, there is a big education piece involved and people not, not having any real clue as to their rights, which is why I think you see, uh, for example, advertising on—you know—it's quite routine to see advertising on the likes of Instagram or TikTok that would fall foul of what you would expect of uh, a t- you know that you couldn't imagine on a TV commercial, for example. Um, there's there's an example of these because a lot of this is very sort of ephemeral, which is why I think I kind of have to give credit to DIA. I think they've actually done quite a good job of trying to make this thing accessible to people uh, absorbing it. They use this example of disordered eating content. Uh, throughout as a way of kind of imagining how a, a person who's encountering it might then be able to respond to that. Do you want to kind of um, detail that example? So for, for in that example, which is, I agree, quite a useful one, um, th- there's a lot of ways that social media uh, especially might work to promote disordered eating. So maybe you've joined a sort of Weight Watchers type group on Facebook and then on your sort of little Facebook reels it starts being recommended sort of dieting content and it it can actually get progressively to quite very harmful um, attitudes towards weight and eating. Um, I guess there's area for debate about whether or not um, what what's harmful to different people, but um, so notably, this isn't changing what's legal or illegal, but it's changing um, how how you might respond to that because there's now just one body that would respond to it. So, um, if somebody said, if somebody if there was a concern being raised either by a member of the public or a community group, maybe about disordered eating content being recommended to people, um, the regulatory body would be working with the social media platforms or where that content was would be working with them saying, um, why is this here? What asking questions about like how does it end up being there? And is that in line with the code of practice you have agreed to? Um, and would and is that in line with your terms of service on your platform? Um, and then there would be some sort of something, I use the word proactive a lot, um, sort of what are some what are some ways to reduce the risks? And so for example, something you might see at the moment with a lot of the COVID information is a little pop-up that says, go here for our COVID information, which has been fact-checked. So it might be something like that, but just for more kinds of content. Um, and then there would also be some more kind of maybe a more public response to it um, in whether that's education campaigns, putting stuff in curriculums, um, public events to talk about it. So there could be more kind of public-facing ways as well as kind of online regulation with the different industries that might be having that kind of content on the internet. It's um, it is quite a sea change, uh, and and you know, to, to be honest, one that I think is 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 long overdue, and and seems on the face of it a pretty useful starting point for for what will likely be a long discussion, because this isn't actually in any hurry to to become law and or, or to go live. What what is the process um, from here for you know for that document? So it's probably quite good just to know what has happened up to this point. This content regulatory review has been um, working on this for a number of years. They've consulted with over 50 different community groups, people with stakeholders, um, including people in the media, talking, um, talked to sort of ethnic groups, religious groups, um, Maori people who are wanting to talk about their, um, their feelings and their experiences online. So that's this document has been developed from all of that feedback. Um, now they've until the end of July, there's a time for public public feedback, um, consultation, 
So anyone can make a submission. Um, and then kind of after that, that'll probably inc also include input from some of the industries who have opinions about how this might um, how this might be put into place. And then there'll be time for, um, then they'll probably revise, revise the document, have something slightly more finalised, um, and then they might start having to be sort of processes in government to put this new thing into place. But there's really no timeline for that, no clear timeline for that. So it might be quite a while. Could, could well be, but uh, it's good, good to be at the starting line anyway. Hey, Shanti, thanks so much for, for coming on the fold just to explain that. And yeah, if you want to know more, I strongly recommend reading uh, Shanti's explainer on the spinoff. The Fold is brought to you by O-Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa, with over 4,000 out-of-home advertising sites nationwide across both street furniture and retail centres. I'm super grateful to O-Media for enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix Podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. Kia ora, Anna, and welcome to The Fold. Kia ora, Duncan. So this is like weirdly exciting if you're interested in content regulation, which tragically the pair of us are. Uh, I wondered if you could start by just sort of explaining what, or just giving a perspective, like what do you think of where, where the DIA has arrived at with this thing? Uh, well, I mean, I think it's great they've arrived somewhere because we've been waiting a while. I've been staring at that one PDF on the DIA website for months now. Um, <laughs> Strange to hope. But. You know, and we're, we're, we're months behind in terms of the process. Look, I mean, I think it's pretty big, you know. Um, it, it may not be, I guess the, the bigness of it may not necessarily be massively understood by the general public. The proposal itself speaks to the fact that people probably won't notice changes or anything like that. But in terms of, you know, it's a super regulator is, is what they're proposing here, right? And I think the attempt to provide some regulation around social media, you know, in a world where people genuinely discuss the fact that those companies, your Metas, your Googles, your TikToks, are too big for regulation, you know, they now sort of stand alongside governments in terms of the amount of power they potentially have. You know, so it, for for New Zealand to have put, you know, a, a drawn a line in the sand and said we're going to try this. And I think they've, they've tried to find a middle ground between softly, softly we're going to run some public awareness campaigns, although education is, is mentioned frequently throughout the proposal, and a, and a hardcore regulation, which I just don't think we have the capacity to enforce. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty thrilled with it, to be honest. I think that quite frequently with New Zealand, you know, and you can see this with, you know, for example, uh, there's a very similar conversation being had around taxation of, of the, these same companies that where we basically outsourced it to, to the OECD and the conversation proceeds at its own uh, pace. And there's an argument for that, but I just sort of admire us for... For a part of government coming out with a position that is actually, it's not 
just that that we should have some aspects of our media regulated and, and others far more powerful and profitable ones completely unregulated uh and that even as a country of you know five 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 and a half million um that that there is you know we, we can attempt to have something which which will produce out of having a conversation amongst ourselves but i mean you touched on it there do you believe that as as it's currently described you know that you would because what what it asks is that the social media companies effectively change their products in some potentially small but quite meaningful way for the local context um in a way that so that the, the your your experience of TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram in New Zealand will be meaningfully different to to what it might be in in other countries. Do do you do you think that can fly? I very much hope so. I think there's some quite interesting examples which I sort of cocked a bit of an eyebrow at in within that proposal. You know, there's there's one there around um, video games and adult content within video games and this sort of idea that the platform um, would somehow need to introduce some kind of moderation system within that kind of environment. And I'm not 100% sure I how can't that works. see that. That feels like a sensor problem. I think, I think there's some kind of niggly stuff in there and I think there's some gnarly stuff in there as well because <laughs> there, there is also... Let's start with the niggly. <laughs> <laughs> let's start with the niggly stuff. Um, look, I think there is... This kind of idea that um, I think a lot of it is premised on the capacity to moderate at scale and moderating at scale, we are essentially talking about moderation via AI and most of those platforms have that in place now. I mean, Meta have said frequently they just do not have the capacity to, you know, we're talking about, what is it, a quintillion bytes of data or something that's kind of uploaded, downloaded every day. Um, they don't have the capacity to do that kind of moderation and, and that's why you ended up with, with the horrific video from the Christchurch mosque shootings kind of doing what it did. Um, so, so there's a reliance on kind of technology, which I'm always a little bit sceptical of. I think a key thing to understand about this is that it's not proposing that this regulation, you know, regulatory body, which, you know, I'm sure will be more than one person in an office with five staff, <laughs> sounds like it'll be f fairly sizable. It's not that you can flag any bit of content that you see and you don't like or you're offended by. They're not sitting, they're not going to be sitting there personally, individually moderating content. They are asking the platforms to put stuff in place. And I think that will be very interesting. They are asking the industries, the various industries involved, media, social media, the gaming industry, to essentially create these codes of practice. That raises questions about, you know, there are questions in Australia because it's there's a lot that's in this which is very similar to the way Australia have tackled it. And that that particular piece of legislation was passed in 2021 and we're still not through with a set of approved codes, right? So there's definitely going to be niggly stuff. And then I think some of the, the biggest stuff are things like the balancing of privacy because some of the measures they are talking about, particularly when it comes to the safety of kids online, and I think that's really genuine and really concerning, things like age verification, right? So if you <laughs> accidentally happen to stumble onto Pornhub, um, how are you verifying people's age, right? How do you do that unless you are uploading a form of 
ID. Uh, and so you've suddenly got questions about third-party data and how people's data and information is being looked after. I think there's some very interesting stuff there around its intersection with hate speech because we don't really know where that's at at the moment in this country and there is potentially, I don't know, I read maybe a little bit of a bid to skirt the fact that we haven't cemented some of what we said we were going to cement in legislation there around hate, hate speech. Um, and I'm also kind of unsure about the line between illegal and harmful content. So they have said that, you know, they're not there to issue takedown notices for, you know, there's no redefinition of illegal content, right? But they talk a lot about harmful content and they talk a lot about, you know, violent and misogynistic content against women. And I guess, and maybe this will come out in the wash, there's something like 125 questions that they ask in that proposal, but I'm uncertain as to the kind of boundaries there because I think that's where we have found ourselves in some real difficulty when it when it's come to talking about hate speech you know like people just have such a spectrum of opinion around what that actually is so yeah yeah I mean look you you've opened up a whole bunch of really interesting elements of it there and I think that you know there's this example they use throughout the discussion documents I touched on with Shanti just before about uh, disordered eating content which is absolutely the kind of thing that uh, that this is seeking to to kind of address is that you know your fourteen year old kid I've got one of those uh, is on TikTok and it, they just have to hit the wrong clip at mm. the wrong time and they you know the algorithms just starts to to feed them um, if you'll pardon the pun and there is currently nothing there is no you know while while it might well violate terms of service, A, you've got no visibility over it, but B, there is no, ultimately, if they violate their terms of service, which most of these platforms do sort of routinely, there's no real sort of court of appeal. And so I think you're right. This is a super regulator. I assume that it will bundle all our existing regulators yes. as small fiefdoms within a giant thing. And there is no real world where you can imagine that this can be executed, even notwithstanding all of the AI uh, sort of elements that, that will start to detect and bounce content that was already happening. A lot of this ultimately has to be a human starts to assess this and decide whether it warrants escalating, uh, you know, like there's just not really any way that this can meaningfully be put into place without a lot of people making judgment calls. And, and as we know, that's really, really difficult. And I think disordered eating is a classic example of that. Like, one person's disordered eating is another person's diet advice, you know, like depending uh, on where you draw the line. You know, do you – and yet the thing that I – like I said, the thing that I admire most about it is like once you open this door, once you say that this stuff matters, which this document, document undeniably does, it's very hard then to not do anything about it. You know, you're ultimately saying we were wrong. Or it's too it's too mm. it's too difficult, and we're just going to continue to have this sort of two tier system where the small unprofitable parts of the media are, are highly regulated, and the very profitable, much more powerful elements are completely unregulated. If you had to sort of guess at this, you know, what what do you think will actually happen from here? Because you know, a lot of the time, as with the tax, uh, the OECD tax thing. Their main aim is just to delay and delay and just sort of wear you out. 
Yeah, and I mean, look, they have come to the table in Australia. There is quite a shit fight going on in Canada around what they're trying to do there, but but they have, you know, participated in creating codes of practice in Australia, right? So they're now just sitting with their e-safety commissioner, which I imagine will be, that's a pretty cool name. Maybe we so could like call them that. It's like an e-scooter commissioner. It's, it's, it's kind of a basic, basic um, name. So, you know, they sort of give a bit of indication within that proposal that they think the social media platforms will come to the party. So I think there will be that. I guess, to my mind, there will be probably, you know, a process where there will be accusations of things like, you know, this is trampling on freedom of expression. Um, And I think maybe that's just about the concentration of power. I think there will be you know, back and forth around what, you know, the industry's come up with in terms of code of practice and whether that's too soft or, you know. Um, I mean, ultimately the regulator approves those codes of practice so they, so they are going to have to get through. I mean, they're talking 2024 at the earliest for, for legislation. It seems very soon. Especially it given seems incredibly it, soon. But what I also love about it is like six weeks for submissions, you know, that's not, yeah. it's not like the, – yeah, a lot of the time with these kinds of legislation, there's like a some sort of random nine-month window. Like they, are, they are aiming to close that before the election, which is kind of impressive. Well, it's pretty amazing. Um, I think there's a few things that are quite heartening for me about maybe not necessarily the nitty-gritty of the proposal, but I think one of the things they've really recognised is that nobody is at peace with social media. You know, whether you are a a large industry that's been disrupted, whether you're a parent worried about what your kids are seeing, whether you're an individual with a completely broken brain because you've spent four hours every night watching reels, right? It's fundamentally changed society and it has changed us. And I think there are some quite like plain statements in the proposal that really do acknowledge that. And I think that's the first time we've kind of heard that, right? That's the first time we have had a government agency come out and say, we acknowledge the age that we're living in. And I think in some ways just that acknowledgement will shift, you know, like that they are saying these things are bad, these things are potentially dangerous, these things cause harm, these things, you know, there are instances where it's illegal. And I think having that rather than the kind of wishy-washy environment we've had with a bunch of disparate agencies is, is a strong signal. So the devil will be in the detail and all that, but it's a strong signal. I think the other thing that's really good is that they have said we are shifting from talking about content to talking about platforms because we've had this ridiculous scenario where, as you say, there hasn't been a level playing field around the difference between traditional, or what even is traditional media anymore? Do you know what I mean? Like the spinoff exists on a website, on TikTok, on YouTube, you know, one video will end up in five different places. So I think looking at platform-based and industry-based compliance is kind of good and and interesting. And I think even just, you know, the biggest change, as they say, is going to apply to social media platforms. And, yeah, there's going to be... There's going to be some scrapping. There's going to be some people who are unhappy. I've already read a fair bit of commentary today, which suggests there's various parties that are unhappy. But I think the important thing is, is that, you know, they have done a lot of consulting already. They have spoken to a lot of people. And, and you know, we are a people deeply, you know, we are uneasy about all of this. And I think to have a government body come out 
and acknowledge that and listen, you know. Look, it'll be the lobby groups and it'll be the media and all the rest of it that get the biggest voices in their time around the conversation on this. But I think it's very important to remember that your your average parent worried about their 14-year-old on TikTok is probably feeling, you know, reasonably happy that at least somebody has said that they're going to do something about it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing that is, I think, most impressive about this is after, you know, we're, we're now pretty close to 20 years into sort of mass social media uh, and the, what it has done to society, the economy is is pretty vast. And as you say, there, you know, if you were to survey, you know, do any kind of meaningful national representative survey, I can't imagine that you would find just a, you know, two thumbs up for it to, to have at least begun in a very serious grown-up way to have a conversation about how we should respond to and regulate it. Because the thing, this is the thing that kind of bugs me about it is like we've just seen in the last couple of weeks the uh, the 2022 financial year um, financial reports from from Google and from Facebook, and they're you know they're, they're between them they're sending just about a billion dollars offshore leaving a risible amount of tax um, back in New Zealand. And at once that's a massive number and the, the tax element is a, a true travesty. It's also trivial in the context of our economy. So sometimes I think, and even when we look at the vast mm. scale of these companies, they're not actually, you know, if you look at them in the context of the S&P 500, let alone the American economy, let alone the global economy, it's quite strange that these you know, a, a small handful, count them on the fingers of one hand, number of companies have got to sort of hijack the world uh, just so they can sell some ads, you know, is is, is a 100%. strange thing. And so ultimately that that is why I think it's quite impressive and, and bold of us as a small country to actually get to this point. That's the thing, and it would be really tempting to be cynical about it, right? And I think, you know, I have absolutely, I mean, I probably had a moment around that recently talking to you about this, but there is something around the fact that we were sort of just rolling over and dying as a globe around <laughs> the kind of reach of these players. You know, oh, well, there's no such thing as borders anymore. Anybody can access absolutely everything. May as well just give up and kind of watch our our brains and our families and our societies. Yeah, just revenge porn right. all over Whatever. Pornhub. And that can be accessed by a nine-year-old. God, that's a bummer. Just, there's just too much. There's, you know, there's gazillions and gazillions of bites. We can't do anything about it. There is something, and I think the, you know, the thing is, is we're not alone here, right? Most of our, you know, kind of counterparts um, that we would talk about, like Australia and Canada and the UK, and again, you know, lots of argy bargy and lots of niggles and all that kind of thing. But people are drawing a line. The EU, you know, going pretty hard on that kind of thing, and I think. It's big stuff. It's really big stuff. It is an attempt in some ways, you know, to regulate these kind of ever-growing, expanding tentacles and also to a certain extent human behaviour because we're now kind of two generations into, you know, the instinct to post, react, create, all of that kind of thing without any form of mediational moderation. As you know, it's ingrained now, right? So this... You know, either we just let people give in to their basest instincts 
and we let these global companies kind of just do whatever the like, what you know, what they like, or we give it a crack. And I think there is something quite um, idealistic, dare I say it, about sovereign nations <laughs> attempting to tell these very large corporations that have, you know, profits far larger than our GDP that actually, no, we, we're going to talk about this, we're going to try and address this, and it's not, you can't just ride roughshod over the the kind of the values that, that we hold dear. That's beautifully put. Hey, thanks so much for coming on The Fold today. You know, I really appreciate it. You're very welcome, Duncan. Thank you. That was The Fold, brought to you by our partners at O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. Huge thanks to O Media for sponsoring this episode of The Fold and enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis. Talo for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spin-Off member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.